Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, if you've been with us, you know that we've been spending some time in the book of Matthew, and we're going to spend some time in specifically in some parables uh, coming up. And I just want to acknowledge, I am aware that there are people who have stood, sat behind me on stage with me. Um, this is a unique Sunday, and I'm going to introduce all of these lovely people behind me in just a moment and kind of explain what's going to be a little bit unique about today. But um, I just want you to know, again, if you're new with us, one of the things we hope you pick up on is that we take the word of God, we take the Bible very, very seriously. And when Jesus says something, especially when he warns us of something, like we want to pay attention to that. In fact, one of the warnings that always gets my attention is the massive warnings that Jesus himself says um, uh, about teaching, about teachers. He says, uh, he says, if you cause any of these uh, of my little ones to stumble... If you preach something or teach something that causes people to go down a direction that's antithetical to my word, thereby leading them away from truth, it'd be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and for you to be thrown in the deepest of seas. Moreover, if you would add to my word, he says, if you would add to my word, make more than you should, I'll add you to the plagues described in this book. It says that in Revelations. Paul adds to this, when not many of you should presume to be a teacher. For all of you who are like, I want to teach. Not many of you should presume to be a teacher because you will be judged by a stricter judgment. How excited are you guys today? Like, this is such good news. Now, honestly, I do, and everyone who stands up here feels the weight of these texts. These aren't jokes. These aren't like, like, this is a real thing. God's like, take my word seriously. We want to be people who are shaped by his word, not pulling and extracting the things that we want to get from it. And there's weight to these texts. So if you see me on a Sunday morning and I've got to speak like this and I appear to be distracted, I am because I'm thinking about millstones and plagues and stricter judgments. (laughs) There's a sober warning for those who would communicate God's word. In today's passage, Jesus is in Matthew, this parable that we just heard. Jesus is giving us a warning. We need to pay attention to that. But this warning that he gives us in our text in Matthew today isn't for those who teach God's word. It's for those who hears God's word, which would be all of us. There's a weight he puts on all of us who would be the hearer. And this is a parable Jesus tells about hearing. And specifically, it's a series of warnings to be careful how you hear. Otherwise, you'll miss fully receiving the kingdom of God in your life, which is the reason why Jesus came. Jesus did not simply come to forgive us of our sins. And yes and amen, and thank God that he did that. That would be enough. If that's all he did, it would be enough. It'd be enough that he put an end to guilt, an end to death, if Jesus did that. But he also came to bring the kingdom of God. If you notice as you read through the gospels, Jesus is continually talking about the kingdom of God and saying the kingdom of God has come near. Forgiveness of sins is an entry point into a life with God, into a life experiencing his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is nothing less than the kingdom of heaven entering our world and healing every dimension of our lives, emotional, physical, spiritual, and psychological. 
When God's kingdom comes into your life, even though it's not fully here, and one day it will be fully here, one day his kingdom will fully come and he will wipe away every tear and extinguish all injustice and all brokenness, one day it'll fully come. But even today, perhaps even in the next few moments, tomorrow, God's wants to bring his kingdom to you. That's why Jesus said, pray this way. Father, your kingdom come. It can come today. It can come in this moment. How do we enter the kingdom of God? How do we come into this power? How do we experience this healing? Jesus says, you who have ears, let him hear. The kingdom of God comes by hearing, so be careful how you hear. In most of the kingdoms of this world, they advance through coercion and force. Their leaders are good at getting people to hear, right? They can, they can gather a room. They can, they can make people be in one place. They, they work through force and coercion. I mean, think, if, think of some of the greats. Like, think of Alexander the Great, historical leader. When he brought his kingdom to town, Everyone knew it was there because there was only two types of people left. People in his kingdom and people who were dead. There was no third option. When he came to town, you either joined his kingdom or you died. And it's not just dictatorships. It's not just things rulers like him. I mean, the truth is, even in a democracy, the majority vote rules. If 51% vote one way and the other 49% vote another way, the, in a democracy, the 49% submit to the majority. But the kingdom of God comes to those who are good at giving a hearing who are good at listening. Listening is how the kingdom of God comes to you. Listening well, listening deep, listening and understanding is the primary skill of the kingdom of God. Without it, you can't enter it, you can't perceive it, you can't understand it. How are we doing listening? Listening puts us in a mode of, oh, there's someone else outside of me that I need to receive something from that I need to pay attention to. Your ability to sit down and listen and hear is the most important ability. And the ability to hear and understand isn't an intellectual problem. It's not a physical ability, but it's a heart condition. Your ability to listen is a heart condition. And God's kingdom comes into our life like a seed that gets planted in our heart. And the condition of our heart determines whether or not the seed takes root and thrives. And in this parable, there are four heart conditions that we're going to describe to you today. And today is a unique day, as I mentioned, because I have these four amazing people. They're going to help me preach this Sunday. And the scripture teaches us that elders, the church elders are responsible for the doctrine in a local church Practically, for us, that means elders will preach most sermons or most Sundays, but that doesn't mean we preach all the time. In fact, it's good that we don't preach all the time. It's important for us to give space for other voices and other people who are, uh, who are growing in their ability to communicate. But we are responsible for what is said up here. Even though I may not be saying it, I am responsible for what is said up here. Make me look good, you guys. <laughs> 
And today we have a, a team of people um, who, let me just introduce to you real quick. We've got John Wilson here on the end. Uh, if you don't know John, he has been an amazing addition to our team and staff. He's currently doing a pastoral internship with us. He's recently stepped into leading our welcome team, uh, and he does a lot of things behind the scenes that help you that you don't even know. So can you give John a round of applause and just welcome him? We've got Wes and Samantha, who are our youth leaders, as you can maybe tell that was coming from our youth arena. Uh, they are an amazing blessing to the church as well, though I notice you aren't sitting together. I don't know if there's any marital thing going on here, but we'll fix that after. They are a huge blessing as well. We've got Nikki Ackridge, who leads our J-Kids, all J-Kids. Each of these people um, are a massive blessing to this body, to this church family. I believe that each of them have something that God's put in them to encourage you with. I believe that God is going to speak something to you as they unpack these four heart conditions, and the first one being hard soil. Hey, everyone. I have a question for us. Have you ever had vital information, but knowing it uh, actually didn't change anything about how you chose to live? Uh, while you're thinking about that, some examples in my life to help you is, uh, I know eating sweets is unhealthy, but when ice cream is put in front of me, I blink and it's gone. <laughs> or I know eating late at night uh, causes gut health problems in me and heartburn in the middle of the night. And yet, I am convinced that Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal tastes better after 10 p.m. I am convinced of it. You cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> now, those are silly examples, but that are for sure relatable, I imagine, to a lot of us. Um, and a more serious note, though, in my life, this has happened to me as well, where um, years ago, I was uh, alone in my room just thinking about all the people that I loved. And then with that came all of the issues and uh, baggage that they were carrying that I felt responsible for. And, I, and then I thought about myself, and I thought about all my issues, which, let me tell you, there are many of those. And I felt this overwhelming sense of helplessness. It, it, yes, it, it built up in a long time in my life, of just feeling this, this way. I was crying when thinking about this. And there was this line that repeated in my head, I was telling myself and believing that is, I am not enough. I am not enough. I am not enough. I am not enough. And what's crazy about that is that it's true. I actually am not enough. I wasn't able to solve all of their issues and all my issues. But I also knew and know that Jesus is enough. That's why I gave my life to him. I know that he forgives me. I know that he set me free. I knew that information, but the information wasn't changing the fact that I was still believing that I am not enough. Now, in this first soil, the hard soil, uh, it says in Matthew 13, 4, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. This is the soil where the seed lands. The truth of God makes impact, but it bounces off, takes no root, and the birds easily pick it off. Hearing it, encountering it, but not changed by it. This hard soil is reflective of a hard heart. We obtain a hard heart through pride. By believing 
anything outside of what God has said or done. Now for me, as you heard, my pride showed up in my shame. I felt I wasn't enough, which, like I said, is true. But the lie, ultimately, that I was believing is that my shame had the final word over my life and not Jesus. Now, I'm just curious, along with you guys, like, where is pride showing up in our lives today? Where is it showing up in your life? It shows up in our lives and takes many different forms in many different ways. For me, it was through shame, but for you, it might look different. However it expresses itself, though, the end result is the same. Pride is blinding. It blinds us. We cannot see our own pride. I was unable to hear God's truth because my voice was all that I could hear. It was filling my head. And it makes me ask the question, okay, well, what's our hope? If I can't see this, how can I possibly be free from this? And I just want to encourage us that, and as Jesus encourages us, that we need him to to reveal this to us. And we need friends that we trust to point this out in us. My story didn't end with me just being depressed in my room. I was at a worship service many months later uh, where God spoke to me and he helped me, he revealed it to me that I was believing that lie. He helped me to see that I was holding on to judgment for myself even though he had set me free, that he had forgiven me. And I felt, as I was feeling convicted in my seat, as people were worshiping around me, I was horrified because he was asking me to admit that I am not enough, and all the fear came in. All of the baggage of my past was coming to a head, and if I said it out loud, I knew I was going to have to feel it as well and really deal with it. But as I looked, as I was hearing the worship around me, and as I thought of Jesus, I was just, it's like, I have to be obedient to him. And I, I whispered out loud, I forgive you, Wesley, because Jesus does. And I felt immense freedom in that moment. It's, these are happy tears. Just knowing that, man, that weight that was on me for so long that I almost forgot was there because it was just who I was at that point. That he freed me from it. And I felt free. And so I just want to ask you guys um, some questions. Just, just dwell on this of where do I know the truth, but the truth isn't changing me? And who have I invited to speak into my life and call me out when I'm not believing in God? Uh, Just as Jesus encouraged me, and I I know he wants to encourage you, that we can open ourselves up to him today because he he has good for us, and he is good. As Wesley just reminded us, God is good. But what happens when we face hardship? What do we do when we face opposition or our circumstances don't feel good to us? Well, let's look at Matthew 13, 5 and 6 and see some ways that we could respond. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So as I was preparing and thinking on and praying over these verses, my childhood kept coming to mind, really for a couple of reasons. The first reason is I realized how many times I'm going to have to say the word soil 
So if I slip back into my Southern and it comes out soul, just go with it. <laughs> but also my childhood came to mind because growing up in South Carolina, there were certain truths we learned to live by. The first one is, it is sweet tea or no tea at all. And it's iced, thank you. <laughs> the second one is, it's all Coke. So if someone asks you what kind of Coke you would like, Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, Diet Pepsi are all acceptable responses. The third one is there is no limit to the number of foods that can be fried, and frying makes almost everything better. Have you ever had fried cheesecake? It's amazing. <laughs> and the final one was, if it's Sunday, you go to church. That's just what you do. Um, there's basically a church on every corner, and growing up, almost everyone that I knew identified as a Christian. And although they may have identified as a Christian, a lot of times their lives didn't line up with this claim. So they were Christian in name, but there was no real fruit of a walk with Jesus evident in their lives. So were they really Christ followers? Or maybe they had experienced a rocky soil type salvation. So as we look at the verses on the rocky soil, it's beneficial that we ask ourselves a few questions. So the first question is, how would the original hearers of the parables had understood rocky soil? So ancient farming was different than our farming where we use all kinds of man-made ways to water our crops. Um, ancient farming, a lot of them practiced what was known as dry farming. And so rain was the only source of moisture. And so to preserve the um, moisture and the rain in the soil, they would leave rocks out. That would give um, shade and also offer places for the water to pool. So this is how they would have probably understood rocky soil. And the second question is, well, what did Jesus mean by this example or illustration of the rocky soil? Jesus is referring to the superficial heart, one that's fallen prey to easy believism. These are people who are told, if you walk this aisle or pray this prayer, you will be saved. But these are people who are not rooted in a real relationship with Jesus. They're interested in this message of, just, of salvation in which you can escape hell and you can receive an eternity in heaven, but there are no real roots because they never allow Jesus to be Lord in their lives. It's people who got excited <clears throat> about this message, but then when difficulties come into their lives, they quickly fall away because there's no root. Let me explain it to you like this. How many of you get excited about New Year's resolutions? Are, we, are there anyone out there? Um, you get excited about the possibilities of all things new, and I'm going to be more productive, and I'm going to be more organized, and I'm going to be healthier. But at the first sign of obstacle, we just fall back into our old habits and our old ways. And unfortunately, I can really relate to this. Um, so at the end of the year last year, I was so excited about all the things I was going to do better in the new year. Um, I had so many plans. I was going to get a day planner, and I was going to be more organized, and I was going to track what I ate and how I exercised, and just basically 2023 was going to be my year. And January came, and on January 2nd, I got food poisoning. Um, and all of my grand plans came to a screeching halt. 
on January 2nd. <laughs> um, because I was interested in the idea of the benefits of these great changes, but I really wasn't interested in putting in the work. And so at the first sign of setback, I just fell into my status quo. And those who initially are excited to re receive Jesus um, because of the benefits, but who don't turn it all over to make him Lord will quickly fall away at the first sign of hardship or temptation because they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside them, walking with them and helping them through these difficult times. Because I really believe that this Christ-following life is impossible to do without a real and rooted and grounded relationship with Jesus. So how can we do this? How can we be rooted in Jesus? Well, Colossians 2 helps us with that. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So according to these verses, we need to first truly know Jesus. We need to not just... Um, receive Jesus as our Savior, but we need to turn everything over to Him and allow Him to be the Lord of our lives. And when we do this, we receive the Holy Spirit who's with us to help protect us and to guide us in this fallen world. We also need to walk in Jesus. We need to spend time with Him in prayer and in studying His Word so that we can learn to be more like Him. We need to be established in the faith, and we cannot do this alone. Um, this is why we need one another. Sorry. <laughs> this is why we need one another. We need a Christian community, community of believers, loving us and encouraging us and keeping us accountable when we need it. And finally, we need to be abounding in thanksgiving. So while I am thankful for sweet tea and Diet Pepsi Coke and fried cheesecake... I am way more thankful that we can be rooted in Jesus. We can know that we can thrive and flourish and face hardships and become, bloom into who he created us to be. Sometimes, though, it's not the difficult things that cause us to stumble, but the appealing things. Matthew 13, 7 says, Other seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. This is the only seed in our parable where the seed doesn't die, nor does it produce fruit. The word was heard and received, but then it says here, Through the thorns, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. The word is there, meanwhile it's being choked. There is an apparent problem with the soil. We have a false understanding of what this world can offer us. So here we are. The thorns are now in competition with the seed. Not only are they taking nutrients from the soil that the seed desperately needs, they are choking, actively harming the precious seed. This world that we put our hopes in, thinking it will really have what's best for us, is actually cutting us off from genuine life. Psalm 1611 tells us, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We have all we need in God, but yet still we insist on being part of this world. When we serve two masters, we do not get the blessing of two rulers. 
Instead, we get the crumbs of both. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus tells us, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. When we try to live outwardly with Jesus as Lord, but truly in our heart, we're submitted to the world, holding on to all that it falsely promises us, we will not flourish, we will only suffer. We are deceived, thinking we can have the best of both worlds, salvation from God, satisfaction from the world. Instead, we're filled with guilt and condemnation, all the while without the joy and freedom that God gives us. This is truly the worst of both worlds. So what do we do with this information? We have to be on guard and remember the world is deceitful. Every day it speaks to us, telling us that it will fulfill us. The deceitfulness of the world can move quickly and our care for the world can grow fast. Remember, on this specific soil, the seed of the word has not died, but because of that, it might be giving us a false sense of fruitfulness. I think it's worth asking, what are the thorns that creep up in our heart, taking nutrients from our ability to bear fruit? It could be status or wealth, maybe seeking control in life, even something as simple as living a comfortable life. For me, my eyes dart so quickly from God to comfort. I have to remind myself daily, sometimes hourly, God will provide my every need. Maybe not every single one of my wants, but my every need until I meet him in heaven. We have to know the truth surrounding the deceitfulness that tries to squirm its way into our hearts. God did not create us for a life of gasping for air, barely surviving, bearing no fruit. We can trust that the world will be dishonest about its benefits, but God will not. In 2 Peter, he tells us his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And in Psalms, many times it says, his steadfast love endures forever. This is amazing. (laughs) We have to cling to this truth. We actually have a responsibility in this. Good, Good soil is not something that passively happens. So what does this good soil look like then? All right, so now we have the good soil. So I think it's important that we first address I think a lie we like to believe that a good soil is a soil that produces a lot of crop. Like if you have 90 crop opposed to five, you're really good and this one's just kind of good. And that's not the truth. Good soil is simply a soil that receives the seed and gives a healthy environment for growth. That's what determines whether or not a soil is good or not. So for a soil to be good, it takes a farmer, right? And the farmer has to come And the farmer has to till up the land. So the farmer will come, start pulling up the weeds that he sees, take a, I'm not a farmer, but a tiller, I suppose. It goes like this, I don't know what it's called. But starts breaking up the soil, right? And it's the same thing God has to do with our own hearts. God has to do work in our own hearts so that we can receive his word and allow it to grow. And so he comes, he looks in our heart, first starts pulling the weeds up. Then he starts, gets his tiller, starts tilling it up and breaking up the things in our heart that don't need to be there. And so for me, there was unhealthy relationships and friendships. There was just an unhealthy and unhonoring lifestyle. And there was this grip I had on my future and he had to work and till it all up. And I'll tell you this, 
It hurts. We're not up here to say, hey, this is easy. It hurts when he tills up your heart. So for me, it's walking away. I'm getting convicted. I know I shouldn't be in this relationship. I know I shouldn't have these friendships because they're not pointing me to Jesus. So he begins to till. And I'm convicted and I know that I need to step away and find a biblical community to walk in. And that was hard because now when I want to talk with those friends, it's awkwardness. I don't want to go out with them anymore. We have different interests. That's hard. It hurts. Or it's this lifestyle that's marked by comfort and laziness and doing what I want to do. And it's no, he's going to work in that. He's going to till it up. And then this grip I had on my future that said, God, I don't need you. I know what I'm doing. I'm writing my story. I'm going this way. And I had to surrender that down to him and say, God, I'm not doing it my way. I'm convicted. I'm listening to you, Lord. And I'm surrendering this to you now. And whatever you want me to do, I will do it. So once it got done tilling my heart in that season, what I started to see was all of a sudden this life that was marked by anxiety, peace began to reign in my heart. And this anger that I had at the people who hurt me was replaced by joy and with love. And then all of a sudden self-control began to reign in my heart because I surrendered it to him. It hurts, it hurts, but it's so worth it. Now, I wish I could stand up here and say, hey, this is a one-time deal. You do it, and you're good, and you're walking forward, but it's, it's just not the truth. I mean, it's a daily walk. It's a daily moment where we just say, God, look in my heart. I can't always see what's in there, but you do. And Lord, would you reveal what's in my heart, and God, would you just begin to remove it? So that kind of goes to this. How do we do this? What does it look like to get our hearts to a good soil? It starts with prayer. It doesn't start with you working really hard and us saying, hey, we're going to do it. No, no, no. It starts with prayer. God, would you look in me? Would you slowly just bring to surface those things that shouldn't be here, God? And I know I really want that. I can't give that one up. No, okay. Okay, so he reveals these things, and now it's, God, would you help me remove it? Because I want those things so bad, God, but I need your help to help remove it from me, and he will so it starts with prayer and asking him to reveal and to remove those things. So ask him. I don't know. I know what it is in my heart, and I'm learning every day the new things. What is it in your heart? You know, it could be money and your desire for money or relationships that you want over him. It could be that you've just never gone all in with Jesus, and it's kind of been like one foot in, one foot out. Maybe you need to go all in. Or maybe you know what it's going to cost you. And he's already kind of revealed those things. And you're thinking, if it's going to cost me that, then I don't want to do it. I can tell you this. It's worth it. It's worth it. So it could be a number of things. But Jesus' encouragement to us is to ask him not only to reveal, but to remove those things. And no matter how bad it hurts when he removes it, the fruit, the crop, the fruit that it produces in our life, is so, so worth it. So let us have hearts like the good soil. So let me ask a question. Which soil are you? Think about that for a minute. All of us fall in one of these categories or all of us see evidence of these things in our life. Which soil are you? 
Are you the kind that is hardened and unchanged by the truth? Do you, are you walking around saying, I know this, but... I know this, but... Wes's story. I knew truth. I knew what God said, but I lived under this shame because he had elevated a lie over what God said. Hebrews 3, it warns us and it almost appeals to us. It says today that it says exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Who has the loudest voice in your life? There are things we know, but are they changing us in here? Are you the kind of soil that responds, but your faith fades quickly when there's trouble? When our faith isn't deeply rooted, we find ourselves questioning God. Okay, where are you, God? You said, I thought, this can't be good. It doesn't feel good. See, that kind of faith, that we're quick to question God. The created questioning the creator tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness? Are you the kind that lets the cares of the world choke it out? Does your mind drift to what John said a minute ago, missing out? What am I missing out? Oh man, I want to follow God, but that looks pretty fun over there. I mean, that's a real thing. Like we really do this. We count the cost. Man, if I go up to that prayer team today and I say this out loud, I'm going to have to deal with it. I don't know if I want to do that. Not yet. Let me just live in this place a little bit longer. The pleasures of the world are appealing. Like, let's be honest. Like, it's appealing. I can remember, I can remember um, getting promoted to uh, manage a rehab department at a facility, standing very for the very first time in my office, and I was in charge of this entire department, hiring, firing, all of it. And I just remember just feeling this, this like warning, like almost like Holy Spirit warning in my heart. Because I was like, I was sitting in my office like, man, like I'm here. And it was just like, I felt this warning, God, be careful, be careful. The pleasures of this world are appealing. Making more and more money is appealing. Getting, making, being successful is appealing, but it will never satisfy you. What if, what if we let God be the gardener of our heart? Listen, this is a really important aspect, I think, that I, as I was listening to these, everyone here speak, there is a, we are okay a lot of times with, hey, Jesus is our savior, but is he your Lord? You know what a Lord has permission to do? He has permission to say, hey, I want you to live over here. I want you to actually quit that job. I want you to do this with your time. I want you to do this with your resources. There is the zone that we start to get uncomfortable and there's a difference between, okay, I like Jesus as Savior. Yay, he died for my sins. But is he Lord? 
Jesus's kingdom is God's kingdom. What he wants to do in your life and in your heart is very, very good. Let me remind us what I said at the beginning. God's kingdom, when you read about the stories of what Jesus did when he ushered in the kingdom of God, the blind people saw, lame people walked, people who were struggling with chronic illness were healed, people who were tormented mentally were set free, people who were wounded emotionally were healed. Like the kingdom of God, when it comes into our life, it ushers in everything that is good, right, and true. And no matter what we have to give up, surrender, do, whatever God asks, the reality is what the work he's wanting to do, it's not just a little bit better. It's not even comparison to what this world has to offer us. And his invitation to us today is to humble ourselves. It's to humble ourselves and to let him be the Lord of our life, to let him be the gardener of our heart. Church, Jubilee, if we do this, if we believe this, if we take hold of it, I promise you, it will cause you to step out in ways that you are uncomfortable with. I don't know what God will ask you to do, but what I know is that from the beginning of time, to the end of time, God is good, faithful, and true. And he showed us that through his son, Jesus Christ, who so loved, who God so loved the world, he came and he entered our mess and our shame and our brokenness and he gave his life for you so that you could live. He died so that we could live. What he has for you is good and it's good for you. What he has for you is healing. What he has for you is not temporary, but it's eternal. During worship, um, Mitch Lewis, who's one of our members here, came up. And one of the things we believe, because we see it in Scripture, is that when the church gathers, God speaks to us. He speaks to us. He wants us to encourage, to build one another up. You see it through Paul's epistles, the New Testament church. And Mitch comes up and he says, hey, to John Hassas, who's another elder, and Joel and I up here, and he says, I feel like God's speaking to me about the soil. And we're like, hey, great, we're preaching on that. Don't share it yet. You're gonna give it away. So I actually asked Mitch, I said, will you come up, Mitch, where are you? Will you come up here with me, Mitch? And Mitch felt like God was putting something on his heart, and I asked him to share that, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us in a, in a response to a way I think we can pray into this. Uh, yeah, I... Um... I guess one, I just think God is really kind to us. Um, Even just what David said, it's not like smoke and mirrors. We didn't plan this out. I had a conversation with him recently too about just kind of feeling some things. And then I came up here and said this to John and John's like, do you know what they're talking about? It's like, I have no idea. So I felt like that was just as much for me as it was like maybe for for us here. But but what I told John was, I feel for some of us, there, there's actually good soil in a lot of this room, uh, not to negate anything that's been talked about, I, like what David said about just being humble and submitting to God, being the one who, who weeds and, and prunes us um, as he's you know, wanting to. But um, I just think, as I was sitting here listening to this too, maybe a little more clarity came. 
I know for me, there's times I'll hear a message like this and want to categorize myself almost as like, oh no, I'm, I'm not the good soil. I'm probably more like the choked out one and I need to just work on myself and figure that out. But I just, I think the word is, there is good soil in this room and don't listen to a lie if you feel God speaking things to you about, he, you know what he's speaking to you, I think is it. And I think he wants to encourage you um, to step into that, as David just said, uh, because there's a lot of benefit for the person sitting next to you, for people in your life, family, friends, whatever, community group. And I think, um, I, just, I just believe that for us. Like, don't listen to a lie to diminish a work of God that you feel like he's speaking to you. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate that. Will you stand with me? We're going to uh, pray, and um, we're going to have a, a team of people to my left uh, and your right who are available to pray for you as the band plays. Um, and I just want to encourage you. Really ask God. Ask God. God, where's my heart? Where's, where's my, where, where, what's occupying my mind? We ask God, open yourself up to, that's actually the first step to opposing a hard heart. A hard heart's not asking, a hard heart knows. But God wants us to exercise humility and we, the way we exercise humility and we walk in it is we ask for input. And I do believe that God, like Mitch said, wants to break lies. Wes shared that lie. It's a simple lie. You're not enough. But how many of us related to that? I related to that. I can remember feeling so discouraged and so unworthy. Little did I know that pulling on that thread would lead me back to pride, believing I believed something that God didn't say. Or he, or I mean, maybe, maybe clarify it. I realizing I wasn't enough, but he forgave me. He knew I wasn't enough, and he died for me, and he gave me a new life, and he has good works for me to walk in, and he has good things, and he forget he he has new mercy for me every day, not by my effort, but by his. So how I just want to encourage you. However, God is speaking to you in this moment, in this morning just to come forward and to receive prayer everyone who spoke this morning is going to be hanging out would love to encourage and pray pray with you today but as the band sings and leads us in singing just come forward and, and be prayed for